0: And replacement therapy says essentially like, if you're going to stop smoking cigarettes, you need to replace the act of smoking cigarettes with something else. So that way your brain and body know what to do when you're like, oh, I've got this free five minutes after my meal. What am I going to do with it? So similarly, if you're going to take a social media fast, what are you going to do with that free time? Do you have a book that you're ready to read? Do you have a new hobby that you're ready to learn? If you don't have those things in place, you're most likely going to fail. So replacement therapy is a great way to look at supplementing your digital disconnected desires with something more tangible, meaningful, and more importantly, something to replace that. You work
1: hard in your business. On the Profit by Design podcast, we ask the big question, what has your business done for you lately? Hi, I'm Dr. Sabrina Starling, the business psychologist, the author of How to Hire the Best, and your co-host on the Profit by Design podcast. Weekly, my co-host, Mike Bruno, and I bring you tips, tools, and strategies from our own experiences and from the experiences of our guests, who are entrepreneurial thought leaders and real-life entrepreneurs, all to support you in making intentionally profitable and sustainable business decisions to live the lifestyle you desire. Profit designers, are you ready to take your life back from your business? If so, I invite you to join us in the Entrepreneurs Take Your Life Back Facebook community that we've started at Tap the Potential, chances are if you have a growing business, you're paying a team, and you still feel like you're having to do it all. It shouldn't be this way. Work should support life not the other way around. And at Tap the Potential, we support entrepreneurs like you in designing sustainably profitable businesses that give you more time for what matters most and more money in your bank account than ever. In our Entrepreneurs Take Your Life Back Facebook group, I'm sharing with you lots of tips, tools, and strategies to support you in a business that gives you your life back. When you join our community, you will get access to exclusive mini trainings from me, including the Better Business, Better Life Jumpstart, as well as the How to Hire the Best Jumpstart. These free trainings are available only to the members of the Entrepreneurs Take Your Life Back Facebook community. There's no charge to join. I would love to see you there and get to know more about you. To join us, go to tapthepotential.com forward slash group. That's tapthepotential.com forward slash group. Profit Designers, today I have the privilege of having a conversation with Mark Ostach. Mark helps people find the courage to connect with themselves, their purpose, and with the people in their lives, both Mm -hmm. online and offline. Mark's goal is to restore energy and focus to organizations battling modern life's nonstop pace and growing sense of disconnection. Mark knows what it's like to feel disconnected having compulsively checked his phone for over a decade. He's on a mission to teach us healthy digital habits so we can improve our digital wellness and create deeper connections with things in life that matter most. Mark holds degrees in psychology and technology with an interest in behavioral neuroscience. He is determined to remind the world that human connection is the most powerful connection we have. A nationally recognized speaker on digital wellness, Mark has done two TED Talks and spoken to thousands of people all over the country, encouraging them to embrace a culture of digital well being. So go ahead and check your phone one last time and get ready to be inspired by Mark. Profit designers, at Tap the Potential, we are on a mission right now to be a positive force in social media during trying times for all of us entrepreneurs. In that regard, I would love it if you could help us out. We really want to get behind any of you who are doing good things in your communities, showing up and leading with love. If you are doing something to keep your team together during this time and you're sharing it in social media, or you come across another entrepreneur who is being a gift from their gift in some way that you notice please use the hashtags lead with love and be a gift our team at tap the potential is on the lookout in social media for those hashtags and we will be reposting those social media posts from the tap the potential social media let's all lead with love be a gift and shine bright during these
0: trying times
1: Hey, Mark, welcome to the Profit by Design podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: I am excited to dig into digital wellness with you. This is such an important topic, and I relate to it on so many levels. And I will say, I have a question for you at the end of the interview, and I'm going to throw it out first, and then we'll circle back to it. I have a 14 and a half, almost 15-year-old daughter, and she does not have a cell phone yet. And she is the only one in her peer group without a cell phone. And I have put this off as long as possible because I'm very concerned what's going to happen in her life when I put that thing in her hands. So I want to hear from you. What would you recommend to help her have digital wellness going forward?
0: Wow. That's a great question. Well, I have a theory that there'll be a generation to come called dippies or digital hippies. And I believe that dippies will have seen their parents, teachers, guardians, et cetera, become so burnt out from their dependency on smartphones that they actually just won't even want a smartphone. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's where your daughter's at, but I am hearing more and more stories like that of your daughters where they want a cell phone, but it's not this burning desire that starts at eight years old. And then next thing you know, it's their, their 10th birthday and they've got two iPhones, right? So- You know, as far as like, when is that ideal age? I don't have a perfect answer. I think there's so much, as you know, the uniqueness of each individual and the way they mature and evolve and the difference between boys and girls and, you know, kids that have social skills different than others. It's got to be up to the parent. And the more that it can become a parent and child conversation and not just a carrot that dangles, if you get a 4.0 on your report card but a true dialogue. And what does it mean to be a digital citizen? Are you ready? It's the same thing we do with driver's ed. Interesting. Right? Same thing we do at driver's ed. Yeah. So it's gotta be up to the parent and try not to fall into the, the story of everyone else has one, why don't I? Yeah. And then you can just say everyone else doesn't have a mom like.
1: Oh yeah, she knows that. She has a t-shirt that says having a weird mom builds character because she, you know.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs>
1: She owns it. So the reason I want to circle back to that at the end is I have a feeling that what you're going to share with us about how we can have better digital wellness will be what I'm going to want to share with her as she gets that phone going forward. So how did you come to be interested in this topic? How do you personally relate to it? And why is it so important to you?
0: Yeah, great question. So I'm 39. So I'm kind of the last on the spectrum of the millennials. I'm an old millennial. And I grew up without, I mean, I had a pager in eighth grade. That was like the coolest thing on earth, right? So I grew up just always outside, always moving, very active, very kind of like, you know, big family. So there's always either somebody crying or somebody running or a number of things that just created that chaos and joy that you want in movement and motion in life. And then I began to notice just kind of a, a bit of a downshift in my activity life when you know the smartphone or at that point, the flip phone kind of came to the market. And then eventually I found myself in college and I was, MySpace had launched, if you remember that social media platform. And I was noticing that the things I was doing online were having a direct impact on my emotional health and my decision-making. For example, if I was looking at my ex-girlfriend's MySpace page, I would find myself wanting to go, you know, drink a bunch of beers on a Tuesday which then impacted how I slept and then I missed class and then I felt more sorry for myself. And then before you know it, I'm buying things on eBay with student loan money, right? So I was noticing this like temptation that is the internet back in 2003 and realizing that like, wow, I really need to be more aware of what I do online and how it impacts what I think and how I feel. And that was the early kind of seeds that just blossomed and eventually I, I graduated with Albion, a small liberal arts school in Michigan with a degree in psychology and neuroscience. And then I found myself in going to massage therapy school after Albion because I was interested in just touch. And at that point, workplace wellness was just kind of bubbling up on the scene. And I thought, well, okay, I could you know create a chair massage business that's going into workplaces and helping with the lack of ergonomics that's happening as all these people are beginning to get double monitors and you know work behind the scenes you know all day long and long story short massage therapy school didn't work out i started a technology company with my friend and i spent 10 years in tech and during that era the psychology of technology became an obsession and i just began to think about talk to friends uh, ask peers i even created a software for your desktop that allowed you to self manage your time online And it was this whole experience that I immersed myself. I learned a ton of valuable lessons, including don't create a product without a business model. (laughs) That was a fun lesson. Yeah. But that was when like everybody was like, oh, I'm just going to create a free piece of software and then become the next Mark Zuckerberg, you know, like. Right. So I had met my wife and I began to, you know, as we dated, she was like, you know, you should stop creating this product and begin advocating and speaking because that's where you're so passionate about. So that's kind of the abbreviated version of how I got to where I'm at now.
1: And so you are all about helping people to disconnect online and connect in life. So what have you noticed about the impact when we try to disconnect? What, Because to me, I hear people say, I want to disconnect, but there's that addictive quality to our devices.
0: Right. Yeah, it's called, I've got a a wonderful therapist, mentor, spiritual director. His name is Dr. Lauren. He's 90 years old. He looks like Yoda. He sounds like Yoda. And he is a dear, dear fatherly figure to me. And he talks about this idea of replacement therapy. And replacement therapy says essentially, like, if you're going to stop smoking cigarettes, you need to replace the act of smoking cigarettes with something else. So that way your brain and body know what to do when you're like, oh, I've got this free five minutes after my meal. What am I going to do with it? So similarly, if you're going to take a social media fast, what are you going to do with that free time? Do you have a book that you're ready to read? Do you have a new hobby that you're ready to learn? If you don't have those things in place, you're most likely going to fail. So replacement therapy is a great way to look at supplementing your digital disconnected desires with something more tangible, meaningful, and more importantly, something to replace that.
1: I really relate to that. So in the work that I've done with supporting entrepreneurs and taking their four-week vacations, I've also taken four-week vacations myself. And we recommend a digital detox as part of that four-week vacation. So it's not just unplugging from your business. It's just totally unplugging digital. And as a psychologist, I really believe in the value of that because it allows us to connect with people in our world. When we put the phone down, there's an opportunity to connect. I mean, there's studies that show if we just set cell phones on the table when we're at dinner with people that it alters the conversation and the conversations don't go as deep. And so when I took my first four week vacation, I did the total unplug digitally. It was totally disconnected. And That was great. And I had plans for what I would do with my time. The second time I took a four week vacation, I thought, you know, I don't really need to disconnect. I'm going to disconnect from the business, but I can still do social media and and whatever. And I really found myself, I mean, hours on Facebook, just frittering away my time. And even the things that I had planned to do, I wasn't doing because it's that slippery slope. Once we start getting on Facebook or other platforms, we just go down the slippery slope. And so one of the things that I have done for myself, and I'm curious if you have any tips for people. One of the things I've done is I have taken all of my social media apps and I have moved them through the third screen on my phone and I have to, they're all in a little box and I have to really dig and hunt for them. And so I have to be super intentional to want to go on those platforms.
0: Yes. I share that exact same strategy. My wife will like, grab my phone to go look at something because we share like an iCloud account. And she's like, where's your Facebook app? And it's like buried in a hidden treasure. You have to like be Indiana Jones to find it within the, uh, you know, sliding the screens by. But so I do share that. The other thing that I like to share, because I think as humans, it's hard when we are, when we try to set these like cold turkey goals and they just often end up failing and making us feel more guilty and disappointed and almost like binge eating social media thereafter. So I've been likening digital wellness to the same way you view your physical wellness. So if you think about the digital calories that you consume as equivalent to the physical calories you're conscious of. So if you have a big meeting, you're not going to eat a big plate of Thai food that's spicy with a cheeseburger and then walk in and expect to have a stellar presentation. So similarly, you have to think about, okay, whether you're on vacation or whether you're with a client or whether you're just trying to connect with your family, if you are still engaged, can you be more mindful of the content in which you're digesting, right? So for example, I, we have a snow day today here in Michigan and I was outside with the kids sledding, lots of fun. We have a three and a six-year-old and my phone was like buried in my snow pants. And like I it had, it was like two zippers into it with my gloves on. And I just couldn't get to it. And I felt this sense of freedom of like, okay, I don't have a, my first meeting is not till 10, I've got what, what I like to call as margin. And margin is essentially that space that allows you not only to breathe, but restore your life and your energy and your sense of purpose. So I've got margin. I'm with my kids. My wife's at home, all is well. And I just felt this like playful freedom that I hadn't felt in probably a few months while I was sledding on a small little bunny hill with my kids.
1: Yeah. You were able to just be fully present and engage in the fact that you could not access your phone. Right. <laughs> Is what really opened up that possibility for you.
0: Right. So, all that's to say, what I was getting at to your original point of like, I'm learning because even this conversation around like digital detoxes and, you know, some of the things that I've been encouraging and recommending for years, I'm starting to begin shifting my perspective and advice because we are becoming more and more connected. So, let me give an example. Right now, with most of my clients are organizations that hire me to come in and talk to their teams to help create more meaningful connections over Zoom or Microsoft Teams. So I'm teaching people how to create more meaningful connections online. So I'm essentially saying like, hey, while you're online, because we all are, how do you do it in a way where that shows vulnerability and courage and grace and empathy? And as a result, I'm realizing that those same core principles apply to how you text somebody in the morning, a positive affirmation or devotional, how you can find space to dig up that song that was your, you know, maybe your wedding song, or maybe a song that you used to dance with your spouse with, or your girlfriend or boyfriend with, and you, you ship it off to them in the middle of the day, that's using technology in a way that's more meaningful. That doesn't mean you have to violate your digital detox. It just means to say, like, how are you being intentional with how you are using the content in which you hold to encourage, uplift, and provide meaning to others? So that's kind of a newer birth that I've been advocating for, knowing that it's such an invasive part of our life. Some of the whole like digital detox stuff is really hard unless you're in a good place,
1: yeah. Well, so gradual detox. I hear that. So we don't want to set a drastic goal of just going from I'm fully connected to unplugged. That makes total sense to me. And then I also love what you're saying about using technology more intentionally, that we can send text messages to people that we care about. They're more personalized. And that's very different than popping a picture up on Facebook and you know having conversations and, and back and forth around that. So one of the things that really stands out to me about the connecting online, you mentioned Zoom and that you speak to leaders about how to be more connected on Zoom. What are some ways that we can utilize Zoom to have more real connections with our teams?
0: Let's play a game. You ready? Okay. Okay. It's called, If You Really Knew Me, and this is a game to create intimacy or revealing statements that depict things into me in which you see, okay? Okay. So think of vulnerability on a spice level. I'm going to share a series of thoughts that range from mild and spicy of vulnerability to all the way to extra hot, you know, spicy. So, and then after I do it, I'm inviting you to go. So get your uh, thinking cap on.
1: This is going to be juicy.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. So Dr. Sabrina, if you really knew me, you'd know that I am an Irish twin, which means that I have a sister who's a year and 10 days younger than I am. If you really knew me, you'd know that I am battling some severe eczema that's rooted in probably like past anger and sadness. If you really knew me, you'd know that I'm a huge Kenny G fan, the saxophone player, big Kenny G fan. If you really knew me, you'd know that my son and I butt heads a lot and it drives me nuts. And if I had a magic wand and I could say magic wand, do one thing, it would be get my son and I to connect more. If you really knew me, you'd know that I surprised my wife on our wedding day and sang her my wedding vows. And if you really knew me, you'd know that most days I have a smile on the outside but that's not often how I feel on the inside. And that's if you really knew me.
1: Wow, that's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Don't try to get away from me.
1: Oh, I'm not. I know. I'm going to go. Okay. So if you really knew me, you would know that I'm a knitter. If you really knew me, you would know that I have an Angora bunny that I spin because I've gone that far down the rabbit hole of knitting and spinning. (laughs) If you really knew me, you would know that I have been spending my life the last year or so living between Arkansas and Louisiana. If you really knew me, you would know that I got married this past December. If you really knew me, you would know that I have a 14-year-old and a 6-year-old and struggling to connect with the 14-year-old and the six-year-old at the same time, sometimes I feel like I am going in like 15 directions just to try to connect
0: and speak the language. That was wonderful. Round of applause for letting me put you on the spot. So now imagine you're in a global Zoom meeting or Teams or whatever, Cisco, Webex. You've got two, three, 400 people there. And that game is facilitated with leaders of the organization. Think about how immediately that connects the entire population or team with those leaders in a way that's more meaningful than they probably ever could have had in a one-on-one, which was focused on KPIs and performance and next quarter. So I feel really fortunate to be able to facilitate these dialogues. And sometimes it's with a team of 20 people and we'll, I'll model it and then we'll go into breakout rooms for 10 minutes and there'll be breakout rooms of three to four people. And then we'll come back to the main session and we'll say, did anybody learn something new about their fellow coworker? And 95% of the hands raise. people will cry, people will laugh. And then before you know it, it's like, did that just happen over Zoom? So that's the type of thing that I'm leaning into is how do you promote that knowing that people are desperately wanting, you know, we're not in the offices, we're not around the water coolers, we're not going out for coffees and lunches. So how do you facilitate that connection? And that's just an example of what I've been doing. Uh, with organizations that have had the courage to connect, is what I like to say.
1: It's very powerful. I've noticed on our team, we do huddles and we started right as COVID. We've been virtual all along, but we've become much more intentional around connecting with each other. And we use Voxer to stay connected. We share a lot of personal things even going on via Voxer. And for those who don't know, Voxer is like a walkie-talkie app. So you can have a phone conversation with someone if you can't do it in real time. So if you have a hard time connecting for a meeting, you can go on to Voxer and leave a voice message. And I personally like Voxer better than text because the intonation can come through. And when my team members respond to me, I love hearing the tone in their voice. So that's one of my tips, but our huddles and one of the things that we do is we share wins and successes, business or personal. And I often share business wins because I have the bigger picture of what's going on in the business. And I like to bring forward, Hey, we, as a team, we did this and, you know, for morale and our team members often will share personal wins. And that is another way, just like if you really knew me we're getting to know people who they really are because we don't see them in their office. We don't see the pictures of family members like you would see when you're face-to-face. So this is a new way that we're all having to learn to connect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I wanna talk about one of the things that I've seen happen at our retreats with business owners around the cell phone. And I would love your thoughts on this. We do a no cell phone challenge at our retreats. And that means you're totally optional. You're at choice if you're going to leave your cell phone behind or not. But we ask people to put their cell phones in a basket. And we whisk that basket away to an undisclosed location. So people are fully present during the day. And the first time we did this... It was scary for me to do it because I didn't know if people would actually be willing to do it. I was afraid I was going to get a lot of pushback. And I was pleasantly surprised by how eager people were to have the opportunity to get rid of their cell phone. And after that first experience, one of our participants said to me, this was the first time since the 90s that I have totally unplugged. I felt like a kid again.
0: Yes, yes. I love that story. And I love that you do that basket.
1: I wanted to share that. I wanted our listeners to hear that because I think we have the opportunity to do that at home with our families in some ways. And it's part of that digital citizenship. So how do we take, my question to you is how do we take that experience? You know, I'm at a retreat and there's a facilitated exercise where I put my phone away. So it felt so good. How do you bring it back into the real life day-to-day and, you know, in the family setting and in the work setting, how do we promote?
0: There's five things that I share that I've been sharing for a long time that I'll offer to the listeners now that promote digital wellness on the individual level, whether you're single at home or whether you have a family of eight that apply. And one of them is no digital gadgets at mealtime. Get them off the dinner tables, off the lunch stations, you know, get them away. Sleep device free. So get a real alarm clock. So invest 15 bucks in an analog alarm clock, plug it in, set it, forget it. And then when you're waking up in the morning, you're not immediately going to email or what I call doom scrolling, where you're just one eye's open, the other eye's still sleeping, and you're reading headlines of the civil unrest and the political stuff. And then before you know it, it's doomsday and you haven't even gone to the bathroom so sleep device free get a real alarm clock the third thing is to take a digital fast for one hour a day when i was going to and from the office that would be the first hour when i came home and it really turned out to be like three hours because we would do play time dinner bath books bedtime rinse repeat eat dark chocolate and go to bed so taking a digital fast it's important to do it on the same hour so you can create a habit out of that and the two other things are make eye contact when talking which is like a lost art, urge people to do that. And the final thing is to end your digital day one hour before bed. So whatever you're doing, even if you're watching TV or Netflix, whatever the case is, imagine your body is that of a plane. You need to descend yourself, mind, body, spirit into bed, not just drop from 30,000 feet in the air and expect to have a safe landing without nightmares or, you know, gosh, I slept horrible last night. Now it's time to go pump myself full of coffee and do it again. Um, So you got to land the plane. So those are some of the things that I like to encourage as ways for people to improve their digital wellness.
1: I I love that. Um, Especially the no phones at the table, because that creates the opportunity for real conversations to happen. I listened to, you have a TED talk and I heard you make the point in your TED talk about the number one predictor of success. Economic success is family structure. So the routines and habits that we create at home really set not just ourselves, but our kids up for success.
0: Just to clarify, so the TED Talk was, um, I have done two TED Talks. This was the second one. And it was, I was acting from the lens of a futurist. So I was saying, what would our digital life look like in the year 2034? So two of my projections, not based in facts, but based in hope. Where digital hippies would exist, the dippies, you know, they wouldn't use smartphones and they'd be, you know, all about peace and love. But the second one was setting the stage to say that family structure is deemed the number one part of economic growth and safe and healthy metropolitan areas. So if that's the case, then how do we redesign our workday to account for the need for family structure? So my, Again, with my futurist hat on, I was saying email, the amount of emails you can send will be restricted, right? To five a day. So you're, you're forced to have meaningful and thoughtful communication. You're not just sending quick notes to flood everyone else's to-do list or, you know, since family's so important, the government and such shuts down the workday at 3.30 so everyone can get their kids and get on with their life. So though, just to kind of level set facts from future predictions, that's where I was heading in my thoughts. And it's, it, it is a hope. And I think a lot of us, Dr. Sabrina, I know you're working with leaders on many different levels to regain the significance of what's important in their life still while growing their ROI and their business. But I'm talking to leaders right now who have said, this is the first time, this is like the kind of glass half full version of the pandemic, work from home. But I've spent more time with my children or my family I'm cooking, I'm doing laundry, I'm doing all these things that I never had time for. And that margin is becoming a key part of the workday. You're waking up with time to journal or reflect, or I've got a client, good friend, that does what's called morning pages that are just literally a kind of like a hot pen exercise where you don't lift your pen up and you just let it flow. And the first two pages might feel like you're not saying anything, but the fourth and fifth, you're tapping into thoughts that are, rooted in your subconscious that you have access to now because you've given yourself the space to think and reflect without your phone. So it's all these benefits that are coming that if you have a family tie back to family, and if you don't, they tie back to personal time with yourself that are beginning to have us question, how should we work, right? Where should we work and how much should we, should we work?
1: You're speaking my language. At Top of Potential, we are all about work supports life not the other way around. And my personal experience with this is I started my business 15 years ago, because I wanted to be able to have time with my at that time, newborn daughter. And I intentionally set my business up to work 25 hours a week. And a lot of it, you know, she was at a babysitter during that time. But the rest of the time, I wanted to be fully or as present with her as possible. And i for many years, did not want to tell anyone that I was running a successful business on 25 hours a week. I felt shame about it. I felt like I would be judged. And I also, whenever I had to juggle with doing, at that time, it was this was long before Zoom. This is back in the day when we did teleconferencing And I would have teleconferences with clients and I would have my kids at home. I felt like I can't let them know that I have kids in the background and I need to keep my kids quiet and occupied. Right. And I'm just, I'm blown away now with the shift in our country and people embracing, yes. I'm on a Zoom call and I'm at a meeting and I'm in a professional setting and I have, you know, kids in the other room that, you know, may make some noise and it's just become part of our life. And what I really love, and I can't even believe I'm saying this, but one of the things I really love about COVID is people have more time with their families. That yes. has been the greatest gift out of all of this. And I have heard, I've heard my clients speak to, I really am getting quality time. Like we have way more quality time. Some of them have given up their physical workspaces so that they can just embrace. This is how I want to do business going forward.
0: Isn't that wonderful?
1: It is. It's a beautiful thing.
0: Cause then you begin to start to, and again, this is from the standpoint of like a, I guess I use the word like a privileged home, right? Where you have the ability to you know, interact and work from home. Right. And there's folks that don't have that and they're still unemployed. And that's a whole nother component of this all. And I know that's not what we're speaking to, but it just makes me think about the cycles of like the first six months of COVID working from home and being with family was actually a bit of a nightmare to be quite frank, right. With preschooler and a kindergartner, like how do you work at all? how do you love each other, right? Yeah. So, but then we kind of, you know, we developed some new rhythms, Some we made some new agreements, we created some healthy spaces for both my wife and I to find time for work and then kid time. And then now we're really feeling like, how could I ever really go back to the office, right? You know, investing in equipment for the house, you know, for the home studio and all these sorts of things. And I think that it'll continue to kind of right the ship, so to speak. But most importantly... When you think like things like you know generational poverty or things that get passed along from generation to generation, one thing's for certain, regardless of your economic status, when you have sound family structure, the fruit that's harvested from that intentional time together yields better people.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm almost coming to the conclusion that a big part of our digital wellness is having conversations with the people that we are closest to Yes. about how we want our relationships to be, like what's important to us about how we want to connect. And then using that as the guide for what, how we decide to use our technology versus the reactive use of technology. So that's where we just get the phone, the apps are there and we just start using them or somebody pings us and says, hey, you need to try this new app. Let's connect over here. So it's more about being thoughtful and intentional and using technology to support connection.
0: I think that's a great summation of what we're talking about. And another, for example, is we have family movie night on Fridays. So the kids know that, During the work, during the weekdays after dinner, we're not watching media, right? We're either playing a game or we're doing homework or we're reading a book, but come Friday, we're setting up to eat some sort of carry out pizza, you know, Middle Eastern and we're, we're watching Disney plus, right? And we're all in and we might even watch a movie and a half if we're feeling, you know, rambunctious, right? (laughs) But that's Friday and that's awesome. And that's your tradition and that creates the healthy boundaries with media. My wife and I were trying to also not have media when the kids go to bed and it's not a perfect science. And it's, and none of this intended to be like super restrictive where you can't breathe. It's just to say, okay, you're both running and gunning all day long. These darn devices are just, you know, we'll be in the middle of a conversation. Someone's phone will go off. Next thing you know, that person who texts you, they're in the thick of your conversation on a totally another topic. Right. So imagine if you and I, this whole time, there was somebody like with a megaphone, just barking out random things. It's like, how distracting would that be to this meaningful conversation? Yeah. So yes, to your point, if you, we can find ways to separate. And I think probably the biggest vice, especially for the working professional, or for me, maybe I'm projecting my own vice onto you, you all who are listening is the impulsive email checking. I think that gets many, many executives, many leaders that don't know how to shut off from the IV drip that is your email inbox. And if you can figure out how to create some separation from that, you'll actually look forward to email, right? You'll look forward the next day when you're like, wow, I haven't checked this for 10 hours. What's in here?
1: <laughs> so I have a confession. Okay. Days can go by and I remember, ooh, I better check my email.
0: I mean, you're magical over there.
1: This has been, so I remember when email first came out and I was in graduate school and I would stop working on my research or whatever project I was doing because I wanted to check email. It was that compulsion again, an addiction. So it's been a long time coming, but my recommendation for business owners around this is to have an executive assistant. She filters my email and she sends it over to a private account. And it's that private account that I have to remember to check. And I have also created a, a system with her. If something urgently needs my attention that day, that's been sent over to my private email, she'll send me a boxer. So I can do that in peace. You know, my husband has my private email account and he teases me because he'll say, "Have I sent this to you by email. I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't been in an email in days. I'm sorry. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Right. So I think that is a way that we all have an opportunity to think about is there a way to filter email and you know I just last weekend I went through and I unsubscribed to a lot of
0: things I was just going to have you subscribe to my email so you got to just add one more to that <laughs> one more <laughs> but hey listen I love your confession and I would go out on a limb to say you are an I don't know if endangered is the right word endangered species <laughs> You are an anomaly in the business community, right? However, you also can be a change maker sharing that and encouraging that and providing systems to do that. And I think one of the things beyond what you just described, and maybe this is like continuing to beat around the bush of like tackling the problem head on. But there's a phone, it's called the Light Phone. There's a second version, second generation of it. It's called Light Phone 2. It's really sleek, good design. It allows you to go light, so to speak. So weekends, vacations, nights, you still have access to your phone. You can still do directions for like a GPS, texting and phone calls and music, but you can't do internet in a traditional sense. So that physical shift is also another opportunity to like still be connected without the temptation of internet.
1: Yeah, I think that is a great recommendation. And for me, I think it gets back to being more intentional with our time. So I purposely don't check email so that I can do podcast interviews. I can write my books. I can develop training for Tap the Potential. So it's just another way of allowing me to be fully present and work from what I consider to be my strengths. So I've already answered my question about my 14 year old daughter. You've talked me through it. Thank you for helping me come to my own conclusions that I want to talk with her about really being intentional and how is she going to use this phone to have better connection with people rather than just being addicted to something.
0: Can I share one more like slight piece? Sure. Ask her what she thinks her boundaries should be before you project what you think you know what I mean? Like, right. Hey, how many hours do you think you should be on this a uh, week? Or what time do you think you should shut this down at and see if they have the sophistication to answer the way that you want them to, or maybe they'll answer it better than you thought they would.
1: She might have better boundaries than I would around the phone, <laughs> so she might surprise me. So I love that. So as we wrap up, one of the final questions that I have for you is around leaders and their teams and help supporting teams to be able to disconnect. You know, one of the things I'm very mindful of, we use Slack on our our team. And if I am thinking about something on Saturday, I will post it in Slack. I don't expect a response back from my team on Saturday, and I've been very vocal about that that it's just because I happen to be thinking about it, you do not I don't want you on Slack necessarily on Saturday or on the weekend. I want you to unplug. What can we be more thoughtful and intentional with in supporting our teams and having that ability to disconnect and unplug from email, from Slack, and other means of communication?
0: Two things that come to mind, um, establishing email response expectations like you just kind of alluded to, but even being more like calling a one-on-one or in your team huddle saying like, let's start by this. What's everyone's primary form of communication? Like if you had one way to be communicated with, what is it? And in these organizations with three generations under one roof, or sometimes even four, you're gonna see that, you know, Susie, the new hire, only wants to be taxed. Jim, who's bordering on retirement, doesn't ever wanna be taxed, right? And a few other people say, hey, you know what? My inbox is flooded. So if you email me, just get a hold of me a different way. I don't care if it's taxed or pick up the phone. But you have this like, let's show our cards on what it is in which we prefer. And that conversation's not even happening. So have that with your team. Then from there, establish those like, "I fly a lot." So on Sundays, that's my day to catch up and clean up my inbox. That's not the day I expect you to respond to me. Have I ever told you that? I know I'm big and scary and, you know, intimidated with my title. <laughs> or not. Maybe I'm nice and just, you know introverted and peaceful and uh, you know, but nevertheless, Just communicate those expectations so that way you can release the guilt that exists. I always talk about we need to bring grace in the workplace and the grace will squash the guilt. And the guilt is often rooted in just lack of communication on those expectations that we believe that are part of our job. And most of the time, those people that define and make the culture set kind of the the tone as leaders. They just need to let the people know that, hey, listen, we don't expect you to respond on Sundays. And if I need you on a Sunday, I'm going to call you. Go enjoy your time, whether you're with your family or by yourself or on your vacation. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's it, is to just be able to disconnect, unplug, and go enjoy our time. Very powerful. Thank you for sharing all of this with us. It's a lot of food for thought. I think it's very Mind-blowing to think about the shifts that we can make in our lives with just some simple structures that we, in thoughtfulness, that we can put in place. You have a book that I want to give you the opportunity, the courage to connect, and I believe you are going to offer our readers an e-copy of that.
0: Yes, I am. So the ebook download of Courage to Connect, I'd like anyone that's listening to download one. There's probably the best way to do that is Dr. Sabrina. I'm going to share a link with you that you then can distribute however you do on your social media promotions for these types of podcasts. But in that link, you'll just simply put your email address and you can download the book. And it is my gift for you knowing that it's total blessing. It's a dream job that I've been dreaming up for a long time to be able to do this full time. And I want to just share what it is that I'm thinking and learning and reflecting on from so many others that are in the same place that I was, which is burnout, feeling overwhelmed with technology, feeling disconnected, and craving more meaningful connections in my work, in my home life, and most importantly, with myself. So it's a book of stories to inspire just that. Well,
1: thank you. That sounds beautiful. We're going to put it in our show notes. So the link to Courage to Connect is in the show notes. Thank you again for being with us today, Mark.
0: Thanks so much, Dr. Sabrina. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you for spending time with us today. Join our conversation in the Entrepreneurs Take Your Life Back Facebook community at tapthepotential.com forward slash group. Share your aha moments from today's episode, ask me questions, and join in on the fun with your fellow entrepreneurs on the journey to designing sustainably profitable businesses that give you more time for what matters most and more money in your bank account than ever. And finally, share today's episode with a friend if you know a friend who would enjoy it. This is real life business. Keep your chin up. Keep moving forward. You got this.